Welcome to the Cascade Church Portland podcast. We're a church that works to be both safe to be and safe to grow through our commitment to intentionality, diversity, curiosity, prayer, and advocacy. Enjoy! Um, what does it mean to be present to self? And why in the world would we want to take Sunday morning and talk about that? Uh, we're going to visit a little bit with that today. Uh, another way to look at it is what's the level of distraction in your life? Just curious. On a scale of 1 to 10, you can show hands or you can sit on both your hands or you can show fingers to indicate your neighbor's level. Uh, so what's your level of distractedness on a scale of 1 to 10? Like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Breaking things. Stop it. All right. So, needless to say, the the way that we live, the culture in which we find ourselves, promotes a certain level of distraction. Sometimes it's uh, minimal, and we feel less distracted. Sometimes it's all-consuming, and we sort of lose track of who we are and what we're doing. So we want to. We want to take a little bit of time to visit that today and how that is that, uh, why does that matter to God? What's the connection there? We're going to explore that together. Connie, maybe uh, you can help us. I think you have a story that you're going to tell us that kind of integrates some of these thoughts that we're going to visit. I have a long story of, that's going to be woven throughout our time together. It's not that long. It was a long story for me living it. Um, uh, Let's start at my childhood. When I was, I was raised in the country and I was raised as a daddy's girl. Do we have a picture up there? Am I so cute? I know. Oh, for the days. Anyway, I was a daddy's girl. I don't look like it here, but I very early on became a total tomboy. And I, out in the country, there's all kinds of things to be a tomboy about. You can climb trees. You can jump on your dad's 1963, I think, Honda 90. And at eight years old, yes, I did that. And drive, not ride, drive that thing through the woods. So fun. It was so big, I had to like hop on it like this. Anyway. It was very fun. And I was a complete tomboy, and I would wipe out on that Honda 90 and just have total scrapes and bleeding, you know, down my thighs. And I learned to be tough. My, my dad valued toughness. And so I learned, ah, dad's happy when I'm tough. I don't remember when that happened, but I know it was there from the time I can remember. So I'd come in with my leg all bleeding and saying, hey, Where's the back team? Remember the back team, some of you older people? Mm-hmm. Where's the back team? And, uh, and so I'd put it on there. I'm like, okay, I'm back out. And I'd go back out and drive, you know, ride the thing around. Okay, so that was great, except for the fact that I started shutting my body down. I became very not present with my body, very disconnected. There was also corporal punishment in my home that was pretty severe. I also learned to shut down because of that. I did not want my body hurting. And it tied into this theme of disconnection from my body was a theme of survival for me. And whatever time it happened, 
how young, I don't know, but the theme was push harder, do it more, uh, push more, work harder. So to this day, I will come, uh, come home with a bruise or a scratch from somewhere and have no clue how I got it. Sometimes a cut. Don't even know that what happened. Does that sound familiar? Anybody else have that? Yeah. Anybody else disconnected some from their bodies? Yeah, some of us are, totally. So I was not present to my own body. We're going to talk today, part of my story is my challenge in bringing this full circle to be able to be more connected to me, more present. So what does it mean to be present to ourselves? Uh, as you're sitting here, you may think, uh, hello, I am present to myself. I'm right here. It's not an out-of-body experience. I'm, I'm here. I'm present. Case closed. We're done. Well, there may be a bit more to it than that. Maybe it means asking yourself some questions. Have you got cards? More. Before I go too much further with this, how many of you got cards and did every, is there, let me ask it this way. Is there anybody that didn't get a card when they came in? Okay. Keep your hands up. Kurt's going to walk around and pass out some cards. For those of you who uh, are doodlers, uh, you know who you are. You have to make doodles so that you can listen and focus and all that stuff. If you want another card, raise your hand. And you can, you can doodle on one oh, and you can actually do the work on one. So uh, Kurt's walking around passing those cards out. So if you want another, please let yes. him know. Good. So what kind of things can we take part in and integrate into our life that will help us to be present with ourselves? Asking questions, questions like, okay, at this particular moment, how am I doing? What am I feeling? What are my thoughts right now? What are the sensations I feel in my body? What are my emotions? What do I sense is going on in my life? And there are a lot of different areas of our lives. Uh, people like Connie with uh, clinical experience call them domains. These areas of our lives, spiritually, emotionally, physically, these are domains that uh, we can actually spend time exploring to become more connected to ourselves and have a greater subtleness and integration. And we're going to talk quite a bit about that word integration and when we ask these questions, we're not trying to process things, to ask the, the greater question of why. Why do I feel this way? I shouldn't feel this way. I really should feel this way. It's not about that. It's not fixing what's going on. It's not dealing with something like deep fears or anger. It's just observing and describing those things. Without For, judgment. Without was, assessment. Oh. That was I, right there. I was on it. See, I knew. For those of you who don't know us very well, we do this once in a while. And we're still married. In fact, you're going to see pictures. We have photographic evidence 
that we've actually made it a few years. <laughs> so if any of you are, are really concerned about the long-term effects of a preaching, team preaching experience, we're all right. So to ask these questions and to begin to explore these things, we're not trying to fix it. We're just trying to note it. Yeah. We're just trying to identify it, to observe it, describe it, and let it be in a non-judgmental way. Well, I feel angry right now. Okay. That's ridiculous to feel so angry. Yeah, yeah. there's judgment. I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel angry. God, I'm so ashamed. Well, note that as a feeling too mm -hmm. and, and move through it. Just noticing being present and kind of being in touch with yourself. So with the card you are not doodling on, we're going to do an exercise to sort of break the ice. On one side of the card, we're going to take about 60 seconds. You can close your eyes if you wish to sort of clear the space. And then what I'd like you to do is write down what you're feeling in your body. Write down the sensations that you're having physically. Then, write down what you are thinking, what's in your mind, thoughts, ideas. Then, what are your emotions? What are you feeling right now? Sadness? Joy? Contentment? Peace? Write those emotions down. And finally, spiritually or in your heart, what are you sensing? And that doesn't necessarily mean about this space, but what are you just sensing in your life? So I'm going to give you what's going to seem like about 60 seconds to write some of those down. And then we're going to discuss it a bit and move on. The time is yours. Go ahead and wrap this up here in the next few, few seconds here. This is not necessarily a deep exploration. This is a noticing, all right? You can go deeper with it. I'd like you to take a minute just to notice what it's like for you to do this exercise. To feel your resistance or your Ooh, good, the relief of being able to check base. Which of these domains do you really are on and easy and which ones are more difficult? This gives us all kinds of great information. Part of, I found it very interesting when they were talking about the liturgical flow that they were going to have us be present. And the way I grew up in church was always be present to God. You know, if you're in church, it's all about God. Don't think about you. Just think about God. It's all out there. And when they're talking about us being present to ourself, I find that very profound. In John 15, 5, there's a passage probably many of you know about the vine and the branches. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Why are we looking at this in a context of spiritual life and, and the spiritual domain? This sounds like a 
like a therapy class so far, right? Well, <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> but, um, but this has profound spiritual implications. And part of what, what I'm learning on my journey more and more is that if we touch base deeply with the branch ourselves, we'll find the vine. They're connected. God speaks to us through what's happening in our own souls. That's why it's important for us in the context of church and spiritual life, first of all, those domains that we had up there, they are, they are not disconnected. So we start becoming present to ourselves. There's an automatic overflow of present to others, present to God. So if we touch touch base deeply with the branch, that us, we're going to find the vine. In 2010, I got the news in June. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. I will try not to move. That'll be fun for me, right? Okay. I was, di I was diagnosed, well, I was told that I had an 80% chance of having thyroid cancer. With that news, it wasn't too jolting. My dad had uh, thyroid cancer when I was young, and I was like, well, he, that was just not, it was not a really difficult cancer. He, you know, uh, had a surgery, went through a bit of treatment, it's all good. I'm like, well, that's a bummer, but more inconvenience than scary. What they didn't tell me is that what type of cancer I had, what type of thyroid. There's four types of thyroid cancer. And the first two are a 95% survival rate. I'm like, whew, we're good. So I'm reading. Of course, I go home and read on the internet, you know. The third one was 80%. I'm like, oh, <clears throat> that's a little sobering. And I'm reading through, and the last one is anaplastic thyroid cancer. And it said 7% survival rate. It shook me to my core. I didn't know which one I had. And so I remember it was a Friday night. I was laying on the couch, playing on my computer, just looking at all this, I'm not playing, researching. And at that moment, it felt like the ground dropped out from under me. I had a girl, my, our baby was going into high school at that point. She was gonna enter ninth grade. Had two older kids, wonderful kids, had an amazing husband. And I looked at that 7% survival rate. And I said, I don't know if I can do it. And I went to bed that night with the song. Some of you older folks will remember this old, old hymn. It was the only way I could find my ground. And it was, safe am I. Safe am I in the hollow of his hand. Sheltered or sheltered or in his love forevermore. And by safe that night, I didn't mean that I would get better and that I would even live. The safety came from saying either way, I'm okay, I've got the ground under me. I was terrified though, those two things can go together, right? Total terror <laughs> with safe am I. And somehow I know grace was given me that night to find that ground because there have been other times in my life I did not find that ground. <laughs> it was just scary and, and it was, I didn't feel God anywhere in that. There are times that we cannot be completely present with ourselves. There are times when we are traumatized that God gives us this mechanism called denial, dissociation, 
getting out of our bodies, out of our skin, and it is a gift. I always tell my clients, denial is a gift. We need it desperately at certain points in our life. The problem is if it continues and it gets in the way of reality and how we're dealing with the realities that are in front of us. So God gave us this mechanism to be able to disconnect at times, let alone stay present with our fear. Oftentimes, um, the thought of being present with ourselves is uh, really a little bit uncomfortable. I don't want to spend a lot of time going there. It's dark. It's scary. I don't know the way. What will I find there? I don't have time. I'm too busy, et cetera, et cetera. What kind of barriers do you think you have? I know what some of mine are. But we're going to do another exercise. On the other side of that card that you already wrote on, how many of you are actively doodling? Yes. Yes. Why am I not surprised? The artist among us is conceptualizing this even as we speak. So the exercise that I'd like to do with you right now is I'd like you to take a moment of silent reflection and ask yourself the question, what are some of my barriers to being more connected with myself, to being more present with myself? Do I have a fear of reliving some pain from my past? Do I have a a fear of physical discomfort or emotional anguish? Am I afraid or resistant to feelings of depression or anxiety? Loneliness? Emptiness? I don't want to be connected to myself because I feel too much guilt. Too much shame. I don't like myself. Too much self-contempt. What are you afraid you will find? So with the next 60 seconds or so, please write down what some of your barriers are to being more self-connected, more present with yourself. Again, you're just noting them not trying to fix them, not trying to analyze why they're there. You're just noting them in a non-judgmental way. The time is yours. A week later, after I had gone through that fairly wrenching experience, I found out that my uh, that what they were projecting my cancer to be was indeed one of the 95% uh, survival rates. I did not have, in fact, <laughs> I remember my doctor looking at me saying, if you had that anaplastic, you'd already be dead. I'm like, okay, you know, so, <laughs> okay, thanks. And so what happened then is I got into surgery, they took my thyroid, indeed I did have cancer, and I was like, whew, 
I think that's the end of it. All right, we're just going to do this, get it done, and we're on our way. Eight weeks later, I felt a lump in my neck and totally didn't think it was cancer. I thought it was scar tissue because they'd kind of gone in and got up there. I'm like, eh, no big deal. But then it kept bugging me. I thought, I'll go back in. Uh, so the doctor said, no, no problem. This is not, not going to be cancer, but I'll take a biopsy just to be sure. Thank you, Lord. It was cancer. And it had metastasized instead of years, like papillary thyroid cancer usually metastasized. It was weeks. And so I had another huge surgery. I'm sparing you the picture. I had them take it down. I didn't want to trigger anybody. But they did an incision. Uh, it was taped. The picture was taped incision. You wouldn't see it. But it was, it was all the way through here. Um, that, and, and at the beginning, they told me they were going to go ear to ear. That was really disturbing at, at so many levels. And I, and there again, remember, I don't care about my body, right? I don't listen to my body. I'm fine. I'm tough. This started to get to me. All right. No, this is over the top. So I went in, had my surgery on December 1st. And about three or four weeks after that surgery, they had to start preparing me for treatment, which meant taking me completely off thyroid. I did not have a thyroid. So they wanted to crash my thyroid very, very low so that the radioactive iodine treatment would take. I said, all right, fine, we'll see how the thyroid crash goes because I've had low thyroid and it really sucks. Uh, it was way worse than that. And I actually, my body responded much more quickly and the, and the levels dropped way quicker. So I got much sicker than most people doing this. So by the time, in, uh, third week of January, that I actually got ready to go into treatment and the, give me the radioactive iodine, my face was, I, I was puffy. And I don't mean, oh, I look a little puffy today. <laughs> I mean, mm, not pretty, no pictures of that. <laughs> and nauseated. My body was shutting down. And on top of it, I, my immune system was so compromised that I had a really bad cold. The problem with this treatment is it has to be done in complete isolation because I was radioactive. So for six days, being this sick, I could barely get to the bathroom, especially the first three, uh, two to four days. And my body was in a place where there is no way I could be present with it. I was on Facebook. I was calling friends. And this was all set up. I knew it was not going to be fun. And it was worse than I'd expected, honestly. So I was trying not to be present to my emotions, not to be present to my body, stay distracted. Actually, I think a pretty good game plan for something that intense. The really cool thing is in the middle of this, you know, talking about domains and how they overlap, and they really do. But every once in a while, you see a specific domain of life uh, that, that's very clear. And during that time, there was a spiritual shaft of light. That's all the way I could say, just this laser shaft that came down to me. And God was present with me spiritually in a way that I, I couldn't even wrap my head around considering how miserable and shut down I was, but it was vivid. In fact, I've got a tattoo here. Um, is about that one week and its symbolism in my life. I'll tell you the story later. Um, so during this whole time, I am both out of my body, out of my emotions, but somehow present spiritually enough to really um, be aware. It was, it was a miracle. So I get out of treatment. I slowly, over the months, start getting better. This whole time, I'm trying to keep together my private practice and still not 
lose all my clients for months on end. So I have this old, remember my old survival skill is push harder, push, 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 go, get stronger, just blast it through. This does not intersect well with cancer recovery, all right? Very bad, in fact. So I would watch myself. I would observe myself hurting myself. I, because this is life and death. My survival stuff is keep going. I've got to practice. I've got to stay alive, push harder. And everybody around is going, Connie, will you, will you slow down? You're pushing too hard. Will you rest? I couldn't. It felt compulsive. And I felt shame around this. I'm a therapist. You know, get your act together. You know, don't let all this crap. <laughs> Sorry, this is a sermon. <laughs> don't let all this junk in your life um, uh, take just totally wipe you out. Deal with this girl. Not that I have any judgmental voices in my head, but that was kind of what was going on. I was really shaming myself because it was embarrassing. It felt very out of control. So in terms of the liturgical flow that we're practicing, arriving at a place where we can offer hospitality to sadness and grief and shame is really a weird thought. Like, no, I don't want sadness, grief, loss, and shame. No, no thank you. Not, not, not happy, not amusing. Uh, by the way, since we're talking about uh, sadness, grief, and shame, how many of you are still doodling? <laughs> Keep doodling. <laughs> it's a good time. Because welcoming sadness and grief in our life is really counterintuitive. Connie mentioned earlier that in John 15, Jesus was talking about the vine and the branch, about, about this integration and unification that God has in mind for each of us with himself. To be integrated as a whole, as a unit, with the all-knowing, transcendent, all-merciful God. And everything we involve ourselves in revolves around what we believe about that thing. I work in the recovery world, and somebody that I was working with at one time went to a group that we were working with and said, okay, so this thing about spirituality this thing about having a higher power. If you were looking for a higher power, what kind of characteristics would this higher power possess? What would you be looking for? I was just dumbstruck. I thought I'd never thought of it that way. You mean I have, I have some opinions about this? Yeah, what kind of higher power am I looking at here? Well, one who's kind, one who's forgiving, accepting, gracious, forgiving, loving, wise. That's the kind of higher power I would look for. Well, you can find him. You can find him. And it's part of this whole thing of 
understanding that if our God accepts all about us, then we can begin to accept all the parts of our lives. All the parts that we're not too fond of, all the little character quirks that seem to be so bothersome and troubling, the physical aspects that maybe aren't what we would have asked for, but we have them anyway, the past that seems traumatic and shameful, the present which seems perhaps somewhat disappointing at times, the future which seems almost unreachable and for many of us too dark to even imagine. To the degree that we can accept all those parts of ourselves, the total of who we are, the past, present, and future that we are experiencing, that's the degree to which we can be present with ourselves and with God. Conversely, when we begin to start picking and choosing what parts we reject, what parts aren't acceptable, that's when we begin to erode that sense of being present with ourselves and with God. We start striving, we become anxious, we get distracted, and we start losing out on the redemptive quality that God wants to start working in our lives. In 2012, I started seeing a therapist. I was watching, I was watching this conflict in me, I was feeling ashamed of it, and the first thing that therapist caught about me is he said, you are really disconnected from your body. And I was like, what body? <laughs> you know? So, I, and he would say, Connie, let's take a minute here in session to touch base with what's going on in your body. And my response to that would be, why? What are we doing here? It's so annoying. I hated it. And he consistently had brought me back. And I started doing it a little bit more out of session even, going, okay, what's happening in my body? And I will never forget the day I went and washed my hands. It was a cold, cold uh, winter day. And I went and I washed my hands in the really warm water. And I could just feel the soothing warmth and comfort of that warm water. And I was like, oh my goodness, you mean you can feel good things in your body too? This is awesome. And I, I washed my hands. You, you guys, it was just a sacred experience. I started realizing I'm integrating. I'm slowly coming together. I mean, I just, I don't know how to describe it, but I felt like God was in that hand washing, that sensation of what was going on and how I was integrating. This was the beginnings of healing for my body brain, my body, my spirit. Again, back to that, if we touch base with the branch, we're going to find the vine. Wonderfully, uh, come clear up to two years ago, uh, we were married uh, 25 years, 27 this month. 25, uh, so two years ago, we were having our 25th wedding anniversary, and I know my tendency to, if I'm planning something and organizing something, I tend to uh, skim the surface, just 
just go right over the top. So I said, no, I'm going to really prepare my own soul. I created a slideshow uh, that made me cry. It was great. I mean, the whole thing, I just reflected on, on our relationship and what we've been through together. The fact I was still alive at that point was pretty darn happy. Probably for him too, but yeah, at least for me. Um, so I was getting this all together, and that day was such a monument because I had done my soul work beforehand, and even though I'd been very busy in pre preparation, I came there very, very present. There, there's one. See, I'm, I look pretty darn happy there, right? And I was, I felt very happy. And at the very beginning, before people sat down, we had a half hour of just mingling, and, and uh, one of my best friends was playing piano in the back, and, uh, and all of a sudden, she started playing one of our favorite, our favorite songs, Lucky by Jason Mraz. I just love that song. It's like one of our sweet, sweet songs. And I grabbed him, and we just started dancing. And the sense of just being present, I think, kind of shows up in this. I'm like, a little, little over the top, but that's, that's nothing new. That's the photographic proof. <laughs> photographic proof. We can actually have fun and, and be present. And part of that whole experience in the celebration of joy that that, that was was I was embodied, I was in, I was present with myself. And you'll notice true to form, if you'll take a look at the photograph, she has the program and agenda right in her hand. <laughs> we weren't getting too far from the program there. <laughs> so in this, in this process of being present to self, as challenging as the process might be, maybe your story doesn't involve a life-altering disease or condition, but we each have challenges, don't we? I do. I'm sure you do. Where we confront our fear and our shame, where we make room and welcome the sadness and grief of the disappointments and, and mistakes of our, of our life. We begin to find a promise of hope in the real character of God. And in his acceptance of us, we begin to find a celebration of joy. We get to find those points of celebration just as we celebrated our 25th, you have a choice. You get to choose points of celebration in your life. They may sound odd to people. Maybe hand washing is a cause for celebration. Yep. But there will be moments when you feel this integration of the various parts of yourself. You may find a period of time when the domain of your spirit is particularly strong while the other parts of you seem to be weakened. That's normal. That happens. But it's all a process of a greater plan of redemption and glory that God wants to bring in your life. <laughs>